So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you will not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from. Yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin. And why would you teach us? And they cast him out. Praise God for the reading of his word. You may now be seated. Merry Christmas. I'm not here to give you a Christmas message. I'm sorry. I want to follow the series. And you know the story, the account of the birth of Jesus. You can read it in the Gospels. And uh, um, this is a great opportunity to tell people the reason for the season. We celebrate Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God, who was God and is God, became flesh, became Jesus. He wasn't called Jesus before. When he was born, he was named Jesus. And we tell them not only of his birth, but the purpose. He was born to suffer and die as a sacrifice for our sins based on Old Testament law. And that's why people wouldn't understand the significance of his death in relation to our sin unless we explain what Exodus meant, what Genesis meant, what Leviticus meant, and how it means for us today. Let's go back to the series, Remain Firm. That is the sermon title, based on John chapter 9, verses 24 to 34. Jesus gave sight to a man born blind. The purpose was to display the work of the Father. You can read the text once again. Although many would preach this and speak about the compassion of Jesus, but the word compassion or in reference to that isn't there. Although we can say yes because he is, praise God, he is good. However, according to Jesus, 
more than the comfort or the healing of this man, the real purpose was to display the work of the Father. And if you look within the context, the work of the Father is displayed to glorify the Father. Why does Jesus heal or save? It is to glorify the Father. However, some preachers will make it about us. A human-centric gospel, a man, a self-centric gospel. Please be careful what you listen to. But I encourage you to study the Word of God line by line by line. Oh, we're not saying God is not good. God is good. But when we go to the text, we first remain with the authorial intent, the intent of the author. What was the author trying to tell us? He was trying to tell us that the man born blind, it is not because he sinned, and it's not because of his sin or the parents' sin. It is because the work of God the Father must be displayed through Jesus Christ. The blind man's neighbors saw it and were amazed. And this is John writing for those of you who are lawyers or taking up law, the importance of witnesses, of testimonials. And again and again, John would use this language and not just leave a miracle that is not confirmed. The miracle was confirmed by the neighbors. In fact, it was, seemed like a funny event. It's not funny for the blind man, but it looked funny from a distance because some were talking, that's him. He can see. And others would say, nah, just a lookalike. Who would try to look like a beggar? Okay, I don't know. You would try to look like somebody famous or good looking, but you don't try to look like a beggar, right? No, it's a lookalike. Then the beggar said, or the formerly blind man said, it is I, it is I, it is I. And instead of rejoicing, some of them reported them to the Pharisees. Why? Because somebody did a healing, practiced medicine on the Sabbath. And they did, took issue with a Sabbath violation instead of the amazing thing that happened. And as we discussed earlier, how they interpreted the Sabbath was based on the other writings of men, other rabbis, not necessarily based on the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, not based on the law. They spun it around saying that every kind of work, even just lifting your bed is already work. The lifting that was spoken against by Jeremiah was actually labor. So they were more into what men wrote rather than what the text of the Old Testament scriptures said. Some reported the incident to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees tried to verify the integrity of the miracle by summoning the parents of the man who received sight. The Pharisees could not believe that Jesus was from God because a healing took place on the Sabbath. 
and their misinterpretation and their legalistic attitude blinded them. They would summon the man who received sight once again. First point, the attempt to distort. Now the Pharisees summoned the man for a second time. And somehow, if you read between the text, between the lines, he was trying to, they were trying to influence the testimony somehow. Even though a fantastic healing occurred, the Pharisees wanted to focus on the Sabbath violation. The man who was formerly blind gave a truthful response. Verse 24, let us read that, and verse 25 for the second time, actually it's the third time, because the first time it was with the neighbors, then the Pharisees, he was reported to the Pharisees, and he was called a second time by the Pharisees. Second time with the Pharisees, but third time explaining himself to groups. For the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man, referring to Jesus, is a sinner. Why? healing on the Sabbath. And the blind man, he answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Whatever you say about Jesus, I don't know about that. He didn't have time to read, right? No, he could not read. But perhaps he was able to listen to the reading of Scripture in the synagogue because there's this habit of reading, reading. You know, one of the key, one of the core values of JCF Naga, the first one is the centrality of God's Word. And how do we apply it? We encourage every member and every attendee to read the whole Bible in its context, line by line, chapter by chapter, not the usual jump from here and there and everywhere, I have nothing against wonderful devotionals. They help, right? Do you know that when I asked people before, have you read the Bible? And they said parts of it, but not the whole of it. So I said, what have you been reading? Devotionals. Devotionals. When I studied some devotionals, some of the Text is out of context. More than devotionals, it is the scriptures that we must study. Some people will say things about Jesus, but one thing we do, whether whatever they think, they think, and we can, we can face it, that Jesus was indeed a historical figure, not only based on the Bible text, but also extra-biblical text by historians that he did exist and there were sightings of his resurrection, sightings that he was alive, not only in the Bible but also extra-biblical, meaning outside the text of the Bible, about historians saying many of his followers saw him. And still that is evidence if you go to court, what is evidence? It's not only the documents that you need, and we have documents, but it is also the witness, the eyewitness testimonies of people. And that is what the documents have mentioned 
to us. Now he, his own testimony was, look, I don't know. Remember, he was just sitting by the road. And uh, the Lord, as the teacher, was discussing with his disciples. And disciples, if you're a disciple, you ask questions to learn more. So the disciples ask, who sinned? Because they have this kind of way of thinking that if something bad happens to somebody, they're sinners. Well, the thing is, we are all sinners and bad things happen to us because of Adam. Because of the fall of man. But to judge somebody on a personal level, careful now. Now, if somebody got sick with his liver because they kept drinking, that is an obvious sin, right? Because drunkenness is a sin. Drunkenness, not drinking. Drunkenness is a sin. But some things are not so obvious. And I've tried to address this because in the time of Job, you know why Job was written? To show that the suffering of a man is not always about what they have done. Job was just being tested. Sometimes the problems we encounter is because of our fault. Consequences of our own sin. Yes. But... Not always. At times it's just a test. And sometimes it's a process, a preparation for something bigger. Like who? Like Joseph. Such a bad life, right? Huh? Favorite son to slavery? And doing his work well was accused of rape. Reputation gone. Went to the dungeons. Prison. He helped two people interpret their dreams, and he was forgotten for a long time. Such a bad life. But the purpose was preparation for something better or bigger, more responsibility. Now, let me address this, because some of you believers are not too intelligent. Not all, some, okay? You follow the word's way of speaking. Na karma. Nakarma. You think that's a biblical concept? You know its roots. Have you read on its roots? It's connected to reincarnation. Your life, your former life wasn't so good, so your karma might be you would be born a dog this time. An ugly dog, okay? Not a cute dog. Or something terrible is happening to you in your whole life because your past life, you did evil. That's why you're paying the consequences now. No, so we don't say karma. What do we quote? What you sow, you shall reap. That's what we quote. Going back to the text, I do not know, the blind man said. The most significant thing for the man was receiving his sight. He stuck to his account of what happened. His story, his account remained the same. His story was not fiction. It was real. Whatever the Pharisees said did not matter. He remained firm and consistent with his statements. Next point, firm position. Now, the Pharisees once again asked about how Jesus gave him sight. Now, his response was sarcastic. Stating that the inquisitors were not listening 
or perhaps they wanted to be followers of Jesus. And the Pharisees spoke in pride about being Moses' disciples, but questioned the origins of Jesus. Let's look at verses 26 to 29. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples? A brave man, right? Okay. But I love the sarcasm, okay? Sometimes, no, a lot of times sarcasm is truthful and intelligent. A lot of times. Sometimes it's foolish. Depends on the source, right? <laughs> Depends on the source. But he was saying, he was tired of it. I already gave my testimony, and I'm coming here again. How many times do you want to hear it? How many times do you want to hear it? I told you already, you would not listen. In fact, they did not want to listen. They wanted to influence his testimony. Maybe you want to be his disciples. I don't know how he said it. Maybe he said it in a very soft voice. You see, I told you already. Okay, how many times shall I have to tell you? Maybe you want to be his disciples. Then they said in pride, you are his disciple. We do not know where he comes from. We are the disciples of Moses. What they did not know, somebody greater than Moses was there. You see, Moses was such a great person that God used. His name became great because of the Lord. And it's just fascinating to watch the Old Testament. Fascinating. The macro level of the miracles of Moses, the macro level, the, it was a nationwide level. Amazing. But take note, most of the miracles through Moses was mir were miracles of war. All right? No matter how amazing it was, a, those were destructive miracles needed during that time. But the miracle through Jesus was healing, health. The man who was blind have, has had enough of people who kept asking about the healing. He remained firm in his account and even went on the offensive. Of course, the Pharisees would like to have the last say, unbeknownst to them that Jesus is superior to Moses. And the last thing they did, they cast him out. Now, instead of being rattled by the harassment, the man became more amazed at the statement of the Pharisees. The Pharisees did not even know where Jesus came from, yet Jesus gave sight. The man proceeded to state how amazing the miracle was, but the Pharisees tried to insult him, and they cast him out. Chapter 9, verses 30 to 34 of the book of John, let us read. The man answered, why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. Now, this is his belief. 
probably rooted in Psalm 66, 18, that says, if I keep sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Probably knowing the Psalms when he said that we know that God doesn't listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. I think probably in the Psalms of David as well. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. I think in that time of history, so true, no miracle has happened that a man born blind was able to see. I think medically impossible still during that time. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. That was his perspective. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Again, their belief that a person born blind was a sinner or was born in sin by the parents. That was kind of what society was thinking. And as I mentioned before, some believers are foolish and not so intelligent, and they think that way. When something bad happens to somebody, I wonder what his sin is. Foolish gossiper who know not the word of God, they speak. And foolish listeners, they listen and absorb. Foolish, foolish, foolish. What do we do? We pray for one another. Amen. If ever we sinned, we confess to the Lord. We always look if we, are, we, are, we have sinned. Always. If something terrible has happened, yes, we may say, Lord, is this, is this you teaching me something? Is this a discipline? If it's a discipline, I willingly accept. Teach me. Let me learn now. But do not be in denial that it, no, this is not God's discipline. All self-righteous, you don't know. So what's a safe thing is to confess our sins if we don't know, right? Amen? Amen. That's introspective. But looking at others, careful with the judgment. But if you're a friend, you just somebody asks you, why is this happening to me? Well, you say, maybe you sinned. Maybe you're just being tested. The testing of our faith produces endurance, right? Like Job. Maybe you're a Joseph. Joseph going through difficult times because God is preparing you for something. Huh? And fourth, nobody knows. Only God knows. Well, it's the first one. You can confess your sin. Say, Lord, forgive me. Change my ways. And the others, all you could do is keep believing. Keep believing in the process. Keep believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And stop complaining. And stop comparing yourself. Imagine Joseph, Lord. Did he ever say, why is my life like this? Huh? Favorite son. I wish I were Reuben. Or I wish I were Benjamin. But here I am a slave. Stop comparing. Stop. What do we do? We keep trusting the Lord. Because we do not know everything. But he knows everything. Let's go to the application. 
first consistently proclaim. There will be people who will question what we believe, and they will try to dissuade us. However, we must remain firm in what we believe. Jesus is the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Sovereign Lord, the Messiah, and God Himself. That's what, what John was saying from the start, since chapter 1. And we believe that His suffering and death are, so, are to satisfy the justice of God because of sin. And those who believe and repent shall be saved and his resurrection is proof that Jesus overpowered death. Mm. You may want to memorize that. We believe what we believe as revealed in Scripture by its context. And that is firm. You know what some foolish, unintelligent people say? It's a conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy, you know. They all agreed. Hmm? 500 of them agreed. We're going to say we saw him. He was resurrected. We saw him walk. It was a conspiracy. Huh? And some say, some are actually saying that. They created a lie about the resurrection. And, and, and they propagated a religion. Well, you know what happened in the book of Acts? They were persecuted and killed. Church history says they were killed. Roman history says they, fed, they were fed to the lions. All the apostles died a premature death. Now, let me ask you. Let me ask you. I'm going to affirm a conspiracy with you, all right? Okay. We're going to agree to a lie, all right? We will all be into it, okay? How long will you keep the lie? When they're about to skin you alive, will you keep the lie? When they're about to take your eyes, will you keep the lie? Will you keep the lie when they're going to crucify you upside down? Will you keep the lie, the conspiracy? You know, it's unlikely that all of them were willing to die for what they have seen and believed. And that's why I believe. I believe. Conspiracy. You know what you're talking about. Some people, you don't even have to torture them. You just play mind games on them. They're going to tell you the truth. Have you studied investigation? Oh, it's fun. It's catching a lie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really fun. And it's people look really funny trying to cover up their lie. Because the worse it becomes, right? They have to contact everybody that they were there. Okay, this is a joke, all right? I'm preparing you to laugh, okay? <laughs> you announce a joke. <laughs> Wife doesn't come home at night. Husband called five best friends. Was she there? Last night, all of them said, no. Husband doesn't call, come home late at night. Calls 10 best friends. Eight of them said, yeah, he was here last night. Eight of them confirmed he was here. Two of them said he was here, but he left. Still a lie, right? 
what's the moral of the story? Oh, please remove this from the video. Men are willing to protect their own, okay? <laughs> no, just sorry, erase that, erase that. <laughs> okay. Uh, the resurrection isn't a lie. No matter what angle you talk to them, it, it's the insignificant factors that these, these people who try to dissuade us, like, uh, there's inconsistency in the Gospels, you know? One gospel says there was one rooster that crowed before Peter denied Christ. And the other said there were two roosters. You see? You see? Inconsistency. You see, one chronicle said 4,000 chariots. And the other one says 40,000 chariots. You see? You see? You see, that's not... That's not it. You're missing the point. If you talk to legal experts, if somebody gives four witnesses saying exactly the same thing, what's the conclusion? They doctored it. You saw one event out there. You're from up here. The other person was from this, and the other person was from the left. They give different stories, but it's this, the major things would be the same. There was a motorcycle speeding, and there was somebody backing up, and they hit each other. But that's the major thing. The other details are different. Whatever you say, these little things, it does not remove the testimony and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the heart of the message. Because if Jesus did not rise from the dead, we have no gospel. But that is the very testimony. You see, Christianity is not about good works. Good works is a result of what we believe in. But what do we believe in? Who Jesus is. The significance of his suffering in death. And what? He rose again from the dead, never to die again. Now, you want to debate, I'll debate you there. Because I realize some who claim to not believe in God doesn't have their facts yet. They just listen to somebody or watch a YouTube thingy. And it became their sort of life direction. Somebody was asked, intelligent guy, do you believe in God? And he says, wait, oh, uh, that's a personal question. Doesn't want to answer. But then he said, but I'm scared if there is one. Hmm. So what do we do? We remain consistent in our proclamation. How do you glorify the Father? It is the resurrection of Jesus. We proclaim that. Jesus is who he claims to be. Number two, you don't just consistently proclaim. We strengthen our position. We will remain firm despite those who consistently challenge our faith in the gospel. Furthermore, we may go on the offensive. We should persuade people to believe in the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Our challenge for others is to set aside man-made dogmas and believe in the gospel as revealed in his word. We go on the offensive. In what way? We show the foolishness of the logic. Because they say, you're not logical. Uh, yeah, the supernatural resurrection isn't logical. It's supernatural. But let me address your logic. Your logic who believes that we all happen by chance and there is no God, the creator. There is no creator. So let me address your gap, the gap in your logic. Some of it, they're very simple. Please use it. Can something come from nothing? Can something come from nothing? Can this cup just suddenly happen out of chance? Can a life, whether a tree or a human or animal, just happen by chance? Can something come out of nothing? Because that itself is illogical. What am I trying to prove? Mine, I admit, is by faith. You must admit yours is by faith also. Because you cannot explain the whole thing logically. Have you seen the colors in the world? Beautiful colors, right? Have you seen these wonderful birds with different colors? Amazing. Amazing. Okay, human, human existence is already amazing. You see, of the different combinations, you are unique, Liu. Now, yes, you say, oh, brother, and they're twins. Yeah, but the personalities are still unique, right? They are still uniquely them. Just think about that. You know how hard it is for literature writers to create characters? Characters. Giving a character a personality. Because I'm writing a, going to write a novel and I need to create these characters. Just doing that. Just doing that is hard work. Doing what? Characters. We strengthen our position and we go on the offensive and say, there are loopholes to what you believe. And recently I've been watching and reading about this lady who once was a member of the Muslim Brotherhood who became an atheist. Now she's a Christian, Miss Ayan here, C. Ali. Now, she never claimed about her belief in the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus, but she gave something very important, but still a good testimony. The societies we like today were rooted on Judeo-Christian principles. You know how so many people try to migrate and go to other countries, and those countries are Good societies, mostly. No perfect society were based on Judeo-Christian principles. Now, let's, let's strengthen our position also there because her reasoning is not, not so much like my reasoning in Scripture, but her 
her as somebody who studies society. And he, she said, the mere fact, although Europe may not claim to be Christian, they act like Christians, a lot of them. Not entirely. But the mere fact that we can agree to disagree, she said, is very Christian. It's very Judeo-Christian. Because from where she came from, if we disagree, I'll have your head. Now think of the societies of where there are just no belief in God. What will happen? Those who seize power will lord it over the others. Without the fear of God, without that boundary of conscience, what will happen to society? Even if it's a democratic society or a, a socialist republic, what will happen? That is what will happen. So I like to strengthen our position about Christ biblically. But not only that, on the personal level, I know who I was before. And when I believed in the gospel and studied God's word, something happened to me. An understanding, a clarity on how I should live my life, how I should treat my family, how I should treat others. It's not immediately perfect, but the more I study God's word with the aid and leading of the Holy Spirit, I know what happened. From the personal level to a community level, what other choice do you like? That's why some are analyzing the neo-atheists failed. Failed what? Because right now, not in our society, hopefully we don't reach that. It's hard even for some people just to agree on something. Why? It started with a warning of Francis Schaeffer. Long ago, he warned us. Decades ago, somewhere in the 20th century, he saw in the paintings, there will come a time truth will be relative. The absolutes will be gone. And that is what is happening. You know, have you tried listening to in the U.S. Congress? They're just trying to ask somebody, define a woman. They can't even agree what a woman is. And somebody would say, one who identifies as a woman. So because I identify as a woman, what do they do? They go into the women's locker room to change there. That's why some guy's brilliant idea Instead of saying men and women, I'm not sure if this is a restaurant, brilliant. He just said, born with balls, born without balls. I said, perfect. So much effort just to agree in. That's what happens when you remove the absolutes. I killed him. Because I felt it was right. Hmm. Careful now. You cannot murder anybody based on Judeo-Christian principles. Oh, you can go to war and kill in war. You see, thou shalt not kill. It's within the society, like in the Philippines. You cannot just murder anybody. But when we are at war, we defend the country. We strengthen our position. I am a believer of Christ, and I will die one. 
And that has been decided. Jesus said, anyone who comes after me or follows me must deny themselves. What does that mean? You have already, the decision is done. When somebody points a gun at you, and they tell you, deny Christ, which happens right now in different parts of the world. Deny Christ. You say, I can't. I'll kill you if you don't deny Christ. You can't. The decision has been made. And that's what Jesus said. They who lose their life for my sake will find it. But those who find life, but not for my sake, they're the ones who will lose it. And he's talking about eternity, eternity, eternity. Third, expect isolation. When others cannot persuade us and we go on the offensive, they will not like it. You know, this man who became sarcastic to the Pharisees, they cast him out. They cast out the man who remained firm and dared to offend them. Expect to be cast out sometimes or at least isolated. It will not always happen. Well, it won't happen if you don't proclaim the gospel. Right? Uh, careful who your friends are. I'm not saying don't connect with sinners. I'm saying we must proclaim. And some of them won't like it. Some of them will like it. But sometimes it will. What will happen then? If we are persecuted and isolated. I'll tell you what will happen. What Jesus promised. That he, we are blessed. Blessed are those who persons who are persecuted. For what? We will inherit the earth. That's his words now. That's so figurative. The beatitude is so figurative. Until today I'm finding hard, hard interpreting them. I had to look, dig with a lot of history on the use of language. But one thing I know, and some of us have experienced this, and it is in the Bible. We will receive the joy from the Spirit of God where it's okay. So you wonder, how come these Christians being fed to the lions would march in singing hymns to the Lord? Singing because they will meet the Lord. I don't know if some of them were joking. Is it okay for the lions to eat us without cooking us? That's a joke I would say. Hey, you ready to die? Did you put salt on yourself now, uh, recently? Yeah, you should. Make you more tasty. Why, if you're tasty, you die sooner, right? If you're not tasty, the lion's like, ah, don't like the taste of this guy. No, they marched in. No, those jokes didn't happen. They marched in singing, focused on the Lord. Is it a conspiracy when all, they all were willing to die? Not only die, suffer. No, it's not. No, it's not. Now, if ever you thought that was a conspiracy, you started listening to these, I call you now to repent of your sin. Because it's unbelief that disqualifies us. If you don't believe yet, go study, man. Just like the atheists who studied in a lot of them, many of them, or I would say at least one prominent one we can say, 
And more than one who dared study it became believers. Not all. Some remained unbelievers. Some remained skeptics. Yet the gaps in their, in their statements do not disqualify the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let us all rise. Oh, wait, stay. Let me read a piece of poetry. The man who could see. Someone for questioning again. What do they want from him, these men? But the man born blind would comply. Once again, he will testify. Of what? It's about what happened. These men, if only they listened. They heard, but they could not see well the evidence they would not tell. And they would not believe in it. Oh, the Jews just could not admit that Jesus is the Messiah, told by prophets like Isaiah. How did the Jews become so blind, too dull or blind to use their mind, or deaf of the testimony that was surely not a phony? The man who could see responded. The man wondered if they listened, dared to speak sarcastic remarks, didn't care if they were like sharks. The man who could now see proclaimed the work of God in Jesus' name. Amazing, it was amazing. God's work in him was amazing. Let us all rise and let us pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We shall remain firm, firm in what we believe in. The world might try to shake it, appealing to our desire to sin, to break the boundaries, to go beyond, forgetting that safety measures were put in place. And those were the commands of Jesus Christ. Safety measures for our soul, our mind, our families, our society. Our society as well. Our story does not change. The account of what happened does not change. What they believed in, what they witnessed, we believe in that witness. We believe in the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We strengthen that position. And if ever we are persecuted and isolated, we thank the Lord that we have a church community that we belong to. Be glorified. And in this season, give us the boldness to volunteer, to read the Christmas story found in the scriptures and to explain to them the reason for his birth was so that one day he would suffer and die and rise again. Therefore, we must repent and believe. Thank you, Lord. For the blessing of eternity, we thank you for the blessing of eternal life. Bring us to the point of repentance and faith, all of us. And to those of us who have, allow us to continue believing. And if ever we sin, continue repenting of our sins. To you be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.